Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in. Stop. It's time. Flying solo today. I'm Jason Longshore. Mike Conti is on vacation. He is enjoying himself far away from Atlanta. So Mike gets the time off. I'm getting ready for Atlanta United Pachuca and Mike will be catching up when he gets back into town. We're going to talk about Pachuca coming to town next Tuesday. It's a game I'm really looking forward to. It's the American Family Insurance Cup. Yes, it's a friendly. Yes, there is a trophy that will be awarded. Um, it's part of a summer tour for Pachuca as they get ready for the Liga MX Apertura, which starts at the very beginning of July. Not much of an offseason for them with everything pushed forward due to the World Cup starting in November. Um, but I'm excited about it. Pachuca was the best team in Liga MX in the Clausura. Uh, they're a club that I've always really appreciated for their youth development, a team that has has really come into its own in the last couple of decades. We'll get into them. We'll get into their roster, some players to watch. It is a little unclear as to who will be on the field and how long they will play, because this is an opportunity for Pachuca to kind of get ready for that upcoming season. Also, you know, rotate guys, get guys minutes, but also rest players. You've got players who will be away with national teams as well for Pachuca. So we'll get a sense when they play Austin FC on Saturday in Texas as part of this tour. They'll, they'll conclude the summer portion of it um, after facing Atlanta down in Miami. They'll face a uh, local team, Miami United, not Inter-Miami or the Miami FC, an entirely different team. But Pachuca playing three games in the States. We'll get a taste of what they're going to do on Saturday. See them on Tuesday. We'll talk more about that as we go. Get some questions on Pachuca. But the big thing I want to tease you guys with, and I want to get some input from you, is we're into the sixth season of Atlanta United. It seems like it's been forever, and it seems like it's been a year. Um, it's this weird back and forth with, you know, thinking back to 2017 and some of those games at Bobby Dodd and just some of the, the big moments in Atlanta United history. There is a history now 
to talk about. There's a lot to talk about when it comes to what Atlanta United is uh, five plus years into their existence. So what I wanted to do today was not just do a normal best 11, because maybe that's a, a little bit easier to come up with, although there would be some arguments over certain positions. What I want to do is take the best 11 concept one step further and the individual season from the player that gets them into the best 11. And the example I use, which I think I can go ahead and write down in giant Sharpie on the list, is Joseph Martinez 2018, where he broke the MLS scoring record. He won the MVP. He won the All-Star Game MVP. He won the MLS Cup MVP. He won everything. That year, that season, would definitely make the Atlanta United all-time best 11. I don't think there's any question about that. That's the year of Joseph that I'm taking, and there's not another forward who has surpassed that. So when you, when you suggest for this, and you can be thinking about it in the first part of the show, player and season you are suggesting. And I'm looking at it in a 4-3-3. Of course, formations are not the end-all, be-all, so we can get a little flexible with that if we need to, depending on the suggestions. I'm excited to hear it from you guys. The Atlanta United Post about your favorite goal uh, kind of got me thinking about this and some other topics we could get into, although the responses to that have been great as well. Uh, but I do want to get into Pachuca to start things off. Um, game is on Tuesday. It will be on 92-9 the game, full pregame, full postgame. That'll be the return to action for Atlanta United as then they get ready for league play next week. We'll, we'll get you previewed for that as we recap the Pachuca game next week on stoppage time. But about the opponent on Tuesday, again, I- I'm excited about the opponent. This team was the super leader, the number one team in the Liga MX, Klausura. They came up short in the final to Atlas. They lost 3-2 on aggregate. The second leg of that was amazing at Pachuca. Two early goals, a golazo from Romario Ibarra, and it looked like Pachuca was going to turn it and win it, but Atlas won their second straight league title after having not won since the 50s. They've won two in a row now. But Pachuca was the better team in the regular season. How'd they get there? Luis Chavez and Nicolas Ibanez were the two highest rated players on the team, according to Sofa Score. They were rated in the top 10 in Liga MX for the Clausura season. Ibanez led the league with 15 goals and 22 starts. That's including the Liga, the, the playoffs. He's 27 years old from Argentina, moved to Europe with Atletico Madrid. Didn't stick there, though. Came back on loan to Mexico to Atletico San Luis, and then he ended up at Pachuca. Um, Chavez is a central midfielder. He's excellent in that role uh, among the league leaders in successful tackles and interceptions. Very good passer as well. Just a steady holding midfielder to base everything around. I mentioned Romario Ibarra. You might remember him from Minnesota United. He's been with the Ecuador national team right now and uh, scored a golazo in that second leg of the final where they nearly came back. He is one of the best dribblers in Liga MX, um, a player who's really starting to make a name for himself with Ecuador and should be making a name for himself at the World Cup at the end of the year, although there are reports, and out of Mexico, by the way, uh, there are reports that Ecuador is going to be uh, ousted from the World Cup and Chile will go in their place due to fielding an ineligible player. I I talked about it this morning on Soccer Down Here, There's too much backstory to really rehash and get into everything else I want to get into today. Go back and check that out. 
right now it's just reports. There should be an announcement from FIFA by Friday of what is going to happen with Chile's protest of uh, an ineligible player used by Ecuador, that if those games are ruled as forfeits, Chile would move into fourth and go to the World Cup. I think it's a long shot. I think it should be an even longer shot. Um, craziness, craziness. Romario Ibarra should be at the World Cup with Ecuador. He should be, or he could be, um, here with Pachuca against Atlanta on Tuesday. Uh, another key in the attack is 27-year-old Mexican attacker Victor Guzman. Guzman led the team in assists, tied for the league, lead in assists with seven, added six goals. He played all across the front line. Uh, towards the end of the year, he was mainly playing as a 10 in a 4-2-3-1 uh, behind Ibanez. But he can play on the left. He can play on the right. When he's playing centrally, he drifts. He, he'll go find the game. Uh, Guzman, really impressive player for Pachuca. Backline held down by typically the pairing of Miguel Tapias and Gustavo Cabral. Tapias, 27 years old, uh, left-footed center back from Mexico. Cabral, a 36-year-old Argentine veteran with experience in La Liga. As you see, there's a lot of South American players at Pachuca, specifically a lot of Argentines. Goalkeepers, Argentine as well. Um, the, the thing about this team that I've always liked is they have done a great job developing talent. And when they really started to solidify themselves as one of the best teams in Mexico, in the 2000s, it was based on homegrown talent. They were a club that bounced back and forth between the top divisions in Mexico, really for most of their existence before getting back into the first division in 98 and staying there ever since. They were a founding member of the, the Mexican league system. Uh, they're one of the oldest clubs in the Americas, founded in 1901 by English miners in the town of Pachuca. Uh, their nickname, kind of accordingly, is Los Tusos, the Gophers. Um, since 98, when they got established in the top flight, six league titles, five CONCACAF Champions League trophies, and they've done one thing that no other club in Mexico, MLS, anybody else in CONCACAF has done. They have won a South American tournament. Uh if you remember, Mexican clubs and a few times MLS clubs were invited into the Copa Sudamericana. Mexican clubs got invited to the Copa Libertadores, the, the Champions League of South America. Pachuca went all the way through and won the Copa Sudamericana in 2006. And it was an incredible ride. I remember watching a lot of those games. And the goalkeeper is, is who stood out to me, Miguel Calero. Um all-time appearance leader in Pachuca history, uh, incredible Colombian goalkeeper, one of the club's all-time greats. Uh, I just always remember him leading that team and somehow making save after save after save as they knocked off everybody. Uh, the Mexican clubs had typically done well in the South American tournaments but came up short in the semis or the final. Pachuca went on and won the whole thing. And they just continued to build from there. And young talent has really been the key. They do bring in guys from the outside, like I mentioned, some of the South Americans. But Chucky Lozano is a prime example of the young talent that they will produce in-house. He's one of the, the latest success stories out of the Pachuca Academy. You know, I don't, I don't know how everybody feels. I'm excited about this game. Um, would love to get into to what you guys think about it a little bit before we get into the history stuff. Uh, Christopher Abel said, I know this game is the American Family Insurance Cup. Does it mean we'd have extra time and penalties if we're level after 90? 
Penalties, yes. It would go to penalties. I, I'm almost certain. I do not have the rules of competition for the American Family Insurance Cup. Uh, but I believe it would just go to penalties. Um, considering where both teams are, you know, Atlanta United getting ready for a league game on Sunday, uh, it would probably be smart to not play 30 more minutes of extra time. So I am 99.5% certain that it would just go to penalties, but there will be a, a winner of the cup. There will be a trophy presentation. So you got to do that somehow. If you want to bring back the 35 yard shootout for it, I'm not going to hate it. Um, airborne DJ table that question. We'll, we'll get to in just a minute about the, the summer window. I, I wanted to kind of get things structured just a little bit first. Um, let's see. Uh, Emilio, I'm not sure what you're going at with like investments. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results, not in a bad way. Always be forward thinking. Okay. Um, Chris Kilroy, hold that thought too. We'll, we'll get into the U.S. men's national team a little bit as well. Uh, Modaflow, I am 100% with you on Romario Ibarra. And, and no, I'm not going into super detail on the whole Ecuador situation. I do think the more that I see that TV Azteca in Mexico uh, maybe jumped the gun and bought into the Chilean lawyers uh, lawyering. And uh, I don't know where their leak is that they are hearing that FIFA is going to kick Ecuador out of the World Cup. I'd be shocked if it happens. I really am. Um, yes, Chris, I would like to see uh, some of Atlanta's young talents run at a 36-year-old center back, Cabral. Absolutely. Um, this game's a good measuring stick. Is it? Is it a, a you know a, a Concacaf Champions League game? No. Is it a League's Cup game for next year? No. But it's a good taste of the best team in the Mexican regular season against Atlanta United. It is a really good taste of comparing the levels. And and Pachuca, look, to me, they've always done things a little bit differently than Club America, than Tigres, than Monterrey. They've done things just a little bit differently than some of the heavyweights of Mexico. They're not spending at the same levels. They're, they're, they're not doing a lot of different things. Um, sorry, Emilio, I didn't know what your comment was about. It, it's all good. Um, I look, I, we'll get into it. Uh, we'll come back to it. Um, more, more questions. We go all over the place here a little bit. Um, let's see. Yes. I'm I, again, I'm with you, Chris, about running at Cabral. I, I would like to see how their back line stacks up against Atlanta's attack. I'd love to see where Joseph Martinez is. Uh, after getting back on the field, getting, you know, a good week plus of training heading into this game, uh, I'd love to see where his fitness is and his sharpness is. Um, Monoflo, totally agree on Calero. Uh, I did not know his son was playing somewhere now. That's very cool. Uh, Garcia, I have not heard anything about all our injured players. Um, I mean, the the ones that are longer term are still longer term. Nothing's changed there. Uh, the ones I'm more curious about is where Santiago Sosa is. They've just returned to training from a little bit of a break. So where is Sosa after having some complications? Uh, he had sports hernia surgery in the offseason. He had some complications that pulled him out of the lineup. I want to see what his availability would be for Tuesday and beyond. Uh, Machop Chol, who's been training, you know, where is he at? He had a long-term absence, but where is he at in terms of getting back? Um. You know, I'm not expecting to see Andrew Gutman anytime soon. Uh, we know Ronald Hernandez's situation. So the left side, Caleb Wiley, becomes a big question. 
you know, where is he at recovering from an ankle injury, a minor one, but still an injury that's kept him out for a period of time. Those are the ones I'll be looking for updates on the, the longer term ones. They are what they are. Uh, I think we're probably still a little ways away from Gutman getting towards the optimistic side of the prognosis with him. Uh, Chris asks, how do you think, how much do you think both teams will focus on tactics and winning the cup versus development and training? Um, you know, I think it'll be somewhere in between. He says it will it be like the preseason games against Georgia Storm, Georgia Revolution. No, it'll be far more intense than that. Uh, more like the Campiones Cup game against Club America, probably along those lines. Um, in that it's a game that, no, it's not going to define your season. But yes, it's two proud clubs that when they get on the field, they're going to want to win the thing. Now, that being said, they're not going to sacrifice if a player is a little banged up and can only go 30 minutes, they're only going to go 30 minutes. They're not going to, you know, Atlanta United is not going to go into this and, and tire somebody out to where they can't play on the weekend. I would assume substitution rules will be fairly relaxed for this um, about how many subs you can have, those sorts of things. It's competitive, but it's not a preseason game, but it's not a regular season game. It's somewhere in between. And, and look, you never really know until you get the teams on the field. We, we saw it with Campione's Cup, which is a more prestigious trophy. Um, we saw that one that people didn't really know what to expect, and it was a great match. It was one of the, the, the really fun matches that Atlanta United's had in their career and their history. I think this has the potential to be that. I hope both teams are motivated. I hope both teams want to put on a show. You know, A lot of times when you get into these kind of situations, that element does creep in. And Pachuca's a team that scored a lot of goals. We know Atlanta United is a team that wants to attack. I hope it's a fun attack field game that's not all that tactical until maybe the last 20 minutes or so when you're trying to get into a result. I hope that both teams go for it. I hope that they can field regulars for a, a fairly significant period of time. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that it'll be a fun time out. I really am. Um, Emilio asks about Machope Chol injury. I think think it was knee if i'm not mistaken uh if i remember right it was in the match with chivas in guadalajara and i thought it was a knee but i don't know for sure off the top of my head uh it's out a little bit longer than i think anyone thought at the time he would be but he has been back training and i would love to see him get back into the field i think you know guys in their second year as a pro and somebody like machope who didn't really break through as a first year second year is critical and, you know, I don't know what his contract situation is. I don't know if you're at the end of the contract. You got options. I would assume you do. But, you know, what can he show to earn more time? Um, is it going to be an extended run with Atlanta United, too? Uh, it could be. Um, they could definitely use him at the moment, but it's more about what the first team needs. And is he a guy that they need right now? Or is he a guy that they can afford to play with Atlanta United, too, and try to get some confidence going? I think that was the biggest issue with Chole in terms of what I saw last year from him. Very talented player, very unpredictable, tricky player. But when he wasn't getting on the field consistently, it, it, he struggled. And he struggled when he went to the twos for a short period of time. So more than anything right now, and in my mind for Machope, it, it's get healthy, it's get playing time consistently, and rebuild that confidence. Uh, because he's a player that when he is feeling it, when he is in the right frame of mind, I think he is a guy who is a very difficult 1v1 player. And 1v1 players thrive on confidence. And when he's got it, 
he can play at the top flight level. He can be a contributor with Atlanta United. When he's not playing with confidence, he's not going to get on the field very much. And that's what I think it comes down to. Uh, let me go back to Airborne DJ's question um, about priorities number one and two, if any, for the summer window. I, I want to be really clear when we talk about the summer transfer window it is not a wide open window for atlanta united because you have players who are affecting your salary cap who are not able to play and you don't get full relief from that and we don't know how much space they have in the cap these numbers are not uh, even estimated when it comes to mls because there's so many unknowns with allocation money and how acquisition costs affect the cap and so many elements that you just can't even predict it. My gut feeling though, is that because they built a very strong, deep team that is now getting into the depth of the depth, you don't do that on the cheap generally. So they probably used a lot of their salary cap. Now they've had to find ways to get creative. Jake Mulraney's trade opened up some cap space. It opened up some allocation money to work with. Uh, you might have to do more things like that. So when you get into priorities, you have to think about it in those terms because that supersedes everything. You can't just go out and buy a new goalkeeper of any price of any way just because you want to. Because one, you have to expect that Brad Kazan will have an opportunity to come back. And that's going to be the same thing for Miles Robinson at center back. So that factors in. And then two, you just don't have the cap space to go out and, and get whoever you want. So you're going to have to get creative. It's going to be a challenge. Um, I think goalkeeper could be the biggest priority right now. And I would not have said that immediately after the Brad Gazan injury. But we talked about confidence with Machope Chole. I think Bobby Shuttleworth is struggling for confidence right now. And I thought we saw it in the second half of the Columbus match. Um, Bobby has not grabbed the job with both hands. And I've said from the beginning that expecting Rocco Rios Novo to walk back in and be able to grab the job with both hands is asking a lot of a very young player who has one match with a first team in his career. And that was here in CONCACAF Champions League against Alawalense last year. That's it. One game. So to expect that he would be better just because than Bobby Shuttleworth who has 220 plus starts in MLS. It's not realistic, is it? I, I don't think it is. And I've watched both players and I, and this is not because the Atlanta United two side has been struggling and given up goals. You got to look at who Rocco is playing behind there and the mistakes that have been made in front of him from young players who are trying to learn and need to learn to get it to the first team level. It's not about that. It's just Rocco doesn't have a whole lot of experience. And Bobby has a ton of experience, and he's struggling for confidence. A young player could have even more confidence issues in that regard. I think Rocco's definitely a candidate for the future, but it'd be a lot to ask him to step in right there, and especially just coming back. If he'd been here all year, I think maybe it's a different conversation. So, you know, I said it on the full-time report after the Columbus game, uh, what's on the table? I think everything's on the table, and I think goalkeeper is the one that is most likely – to be able to get a suitable player to fit the bill in the transfer window with what you have to work with. Uh, I don't know who that is. I don't know, because again, you're not able to just go do whatever you want. You have limitations here, but I think it has to be considered. I think center back has to be thought about just because you don't have a lot of personnel there right now. 
And you're going to have to make a decision. You know, can you sign Noah Cobb to a homegrown deal now as opposed to the start of next season? Can you go ahead and get that done? He would qualify, but can you fit him into your roster structure now to have him available? Do you feel like you need to go get a veteran? Can you get a veteran for the cap hit that they would have? Because you're not expecting a long-term replacement for Miles Robinson. And I don't think you're looking right now for a long-term replacement for Alan Franco or George Campbell because you don't need to. Do you feel like the trio of Alex DeJohn, Alan Franco, and George Campbell can get the job done at center back? It's a big question. Um, there's not anybody else behind them, and that's maybe the issue. Santiago Sosa can play it, but he's been dealing with injuries. That's the number two for me, goalkeeper and center back, and it's really because of the long-term injuries to the two starters in those positions, Brad Gazan and Miles Robinson. Um, left back, you're going to get Gutman back. I don't think you're looking for a replacement there. You have Caleb Wiley as well. You're not going to block his development. You're not looking at any other positions because, frankly, you're not able to, and I don't think you need to anyway. I think the idea that this team was built deficiently from the jump is is just, I think it's incorrect. So I think you're looking at goalkeeper and center back and you're weighing what you have to work with in the cap and what you can get done with MLS roster rules and do what you can there. Uh, now, Matthew Hoppy's name has come up. Um, it came up before the previous window closed. Mallorca was never going to let him go while they were in a relegation fight. They stayed up. Uh, do they let him go now? Sure, that's possible. Um, would he be coming in as more of a forward to back up? Joseph, would that mean that you would not keep Ronaldo Cisneros? Would it mean you'd keep both? You'd bring in Hoppy, keep Cisneros, have both of them as extra wing depth, which both of them can play on the wing. Uh, does that fit? Is Hoppy interested in coming in to be a rotation player here? Because I think that's what he would ultimately be. Uh, it's better than not rotating in at Mallorca. I mean, absolutely it is. But is that the best fit for him? These are the questions that come up. Um, so he's on the list of what's possible because he'd be a U22 initiative player, which is a low cap hit. It could be a really good move to go ahead and do it now because he would qualify as U22 now. But I just keep looking at goalkeeper and center back and seeing to figure out what you can do with the cap and all that. Uh, Chris says, who do we have who can play outside back? Ambrose, Lennon, Wiley right now. Yes, um, that's what you have, but you should have Gutman back uh, sooner rather than later. You can call up Aiden McFadden from the second team. Um, you do have a few options there. You could call up Heimar as well, the Brazilian who's come over from Atletico Paranaense. Those are two players that you could call up on a short term. If Gutman has complications, and he's not going to be back once you get into that summer window, Chris, then I might be looking at, at outside back depth. But I don't think you're going to be able to add three, four guys. I just, I really don't see it with the cap. So you got to prioritize. And you might have to ask some players to, to do some challenging things, or you might have to use your Atlanta United 2 depth. It's going to get tricky. Um, Garcia, yeah, Eric Lopez and Barco are both on loan. Uh, I don't know about the Eric Lopez situation. I believe it was a six-month loan, but I know initial reports have been a one-year loan. I haven't heard anything about Eric Lopez and Bonfield and coming back or what that could look like. I would expect that he would be loaned elsewhere if Bonfield does not continue the loan, if they have that option. Um, I don't think there's a spot for him right now. I don't think anything's any different than it was when you loaned him out. 
he needs games and he's got to earn those games wherever he's at. And it sounds like he didn't do a great job of earning those at Bonfield. So where does he go next? We'll just have to wait and see. I'm with you, uh, Tom. Cisneros has been good. I really like Ronaldo Cisneros. I really, really like him. And, you know, you do look at the cap hit for him because he's on loan. Can you reallocate that cap hit because you have the option of getting him off of your books? Or do you keep him because he's been productive? Um, I'd love to keep him. And that's where I'm leaning. And that's what I would assume the team is leaning towards. Uh, but if you feel like you have to go get a center back or have to go get an outside back because there's complications with Gutman, for example, yeah, you might have to make some tough decisions. Um, and that's where you are right now with all the injuries that Atlanta United's had. I mean, I just think that has to be the number one topic this season is, is it's tough. There's not clear cut things to do. There's not clear cut ways to make things happen. It's impossible. You don't normally see the spinier team get pulled out for most of a season. Joseph missed a long period of time. Hopefully no more. Alonzo done after a handful of games early. Kazan done after a handful of games. Miles Robinson done after a handful of games. That's goalkeeper. That's center back. That's central midfield. Alonzo probably would have been displaced by Santiago Sosa, but Sosa's out. That's another one. All a huge issue. That's where you build your team. You build your team through the middle. You've lost the middle. So everything about this season has been a struggle because of that. And I think you're, honestly, there's been a lot more good than bad because of that. I'll take where you are. Want to win these games. Of course you want to win these games. This is a team that you want to get as healthy as you can and go on as best of a run as you can. But there's very few championship teams in this sport, in any league worldwide, that have lost their starting goalkeeper, lost a national team level center back, lost both of your holding midfielders that you expected to start the bulk of the games, and your your top striker for an extended period of time and been the best team in the league, no question. I can't think of a team that's had that, to be honest. So it's tough. Um, hey, I've thought Witchcraft was the the one that was most involved in this, Garcia. I've thought that for a while. Uh, thank you, uh, Araujo as well. I mean, I was just thinking through the middle, Tom, but yes, Araujo on the on the right side, left side, absolutely. Uh, Witchcraft is the the most likely one here, Garcia, because I don't know what else. Um, Achilles injuries and and ACLs from collisions. I mean, just the the Hernandez and Shuttleworth collision is just one that I just I, I mean, you just look at it like after giving up the goal that's given up and and both guys had, you know, errors in that play. And then it ends up with one player falling on another and and and, and injuring his knee. I've just never seen anything like that on top of the other injuries. I've just never seen it. So it is what it is. It's real and you got to deal with it. And the summer window, you can't just go out and replace everybody like for like, unfortunately. So it's going to be crafty. It's going to, you're going to have to get crafty. You're going to have to get creative here and figure it out. Um, U.S. men's national team came up as well in the question. And uh, the question was about center back. Um, I'm scrolling back to make sure I know who was. Thank you, uh, Chris Kilroy. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. 
That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Uh, Miles Robinson's shoes have not been filled, and I don't think it's fair to expect that they should have been by now. It's been two games. Um, you know, I think, I think Aaron Long is the safest choice because of his experience level. It's not the most exciting choice. Um, I honestly think Chris Richards might be the most exciting choice. Um, I think Cameron Carter Vickers is a little more like for like with Walker Zimmerman, although that might be the best way you can go. Aaron Long is somewhere in between what Miles gave you and what Walker gives you. I think Walker's been outstanding and he makes it easier for whoever's going to be paired up next to him. I haven't seen enough from Eric Palmer Brown to say that he's just the guy, no questions asked. Uh, I really haven't with Long or Richards either, but somebody's got to be the guy, and you only have four more games. Like That's the, the, the thing here is this is not a typical World Cup where you get a month before the tournament to figure these things out in a series of friendlies. You've got two Nations League games uh, against Granada and against El Salvador where I don't know how much you're going to learn the El Salvador game you might on the road, and then you get two games in September, and it's sounding like Japan and Saudi Arabia are going to be the opponents. Um, different kinds of tests. Uh, I think you will get some good information against Japan, who will not play a, a direct long ball kind of style. Um, they're going to try to play. That's going to be a test for like a Cameron Carter Vickers. It'd be a little bit more uh, of a, a challenge for him for a speedy guy like Palmer Brown or Richards. 
curious to see it. I'm also curious to see if there's anything John Anthony Brooks can do to get back into the mix. Uh, what club he ends up at is probably the number one priority here. Um, and will Greg Berhalter sit down with him? Um, I don't know, but you're, you're kind of at the decision-making stage because I don't think you can go into September without at least written down in very thick pencil who the center back is next to Zimmerman. And my guess right now is that would be Aaron Long. It would just be Aaron Long. Um, B. Dale says, team needs to either stop playing on turf or alter their training regimen. Um, B. Dale, we, we've had this conversation many times. I, I do want to address it. I don't want you to think that I'm ignoring your comment. Achilles injuries have nothing to do with the turf or the training regimen. Um, the ACL injuries that Hernandez and Alonzo suffered have nothing to do with any surface or training regimen. They were both contact injuries. That's five guys, Dylan Castanera, Brad Kazan, Miles Robinson, um, Osvaldo Alonzo, and now Ronald Hernandez. The Andrew Gutman injury that is fairly long-term. That happened on grass. That happened in Nashville, and it happened when he went up for a header and landed awkwardly on his right leg, which resulted in a quadriceps injury. You can go back and watch it in like the 40th minute, and he had to come off right after that. That's, that's a contact injury. That's not a training injury or a turf injury. Um, it's just not. I'm sorry. And the Joseph knee injury uh that happened on grass in nashville that happened in 2020 and he's had surgery with you know doctors from the uh, university of pittsburgh um doctors who are very highly regarded a doctor who really rescued zlatan ibrahimovic's career after a second knee injury thought that, that people said that was it for him at manchester united um but joseph had complications after that and that's why he missed time Again, it's it's not due to the turf and the training regimen. I'm sorry. The training staff has been here from the beginning. So did they forget how to do their jobs? Uh, sports science has been here from the beginning. Um, I, the, the, the doctors, the trainers, that side of it, they've all been here. I know, B. Dale, of course, injuries related to artificial turf, and you can find studies that point the different direction. Uh, but what I just told you, is the injuries that you're complaining about with Atlanta United are not turf related. So, I mean, I trust me, I know I've played on turf. I know I've played on turf a long time ago. Turf now is a whole lot better than that. Uh, bad grass fields are not much better. Go back to Joseph's injury in 2017 in Venezuela. The field that they were playing on in the World Cup qualifier was horrendous. Um, <laughs> B. Dale, the, the Achilles injury study there. It's a very, very small number of injuries. Very, very small number of injuries. Look, we could go on and on and back and forth. Ankle fracture has nothing to do with any of this, so it doesn't, doesn't apply here at all. Um, the ACLs have nothing to do with this. We could go back and forth, and, and we could pull up studies and all that, but the injuries that Atlanta United has had, if you're looking to blame something, I think you're just wasting your time. I really do. I know that's not going to stop anybody who wants to do that. I understand that. But we can go through all the injuries again and again and again, and some people will believe it and some people won't, and that's okay. But I just, I've never seen anything like this. And if it was turf, wouldn't you be seeing the other teams? Okay, B. Dale, that's completely fine. This is how it goes. It's all good. Um, 
read some of the other studies about these things as well. That's what I'm asking you to do if you can, uh, because there are other studies that will tell you other things. But in these injuries, the facts are ACL injuries from contact have nothing to do with any of the things that you're citing. The Gutman injury has nothing to do with any of the things that you're citing. The Joseph injury has nothing to do with any of the things you're citing. The Miles Robinson and Brad Gazan injuries, yes, happened on the turf field at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Yes, they did. The turf did not cause the injury, though. And if you're going to draw that conclusion, I think you're trying to take a study and make it fit your, your hypothesis here. Uh, the Dylan Castanera injury did not happen on turf. It happened on grass at the training ground, which is what they primarily train on. So those are facts, too. And it's cool if you disagree. It's completely cool. Um, but those are also facts. So just please be open-minded about it, at least. I'm, I'm not making things up for you here. I am telling you things that I think are true. Uh, the turf conversation about more teams playing on turf, and this is the last one I want to go on this because I want to get into something else. No offense, B-Dale, but I want to get into the, the history topic that we were going to talk about today. Um, the reason why teams play on turf versus grass is far more complicated than, than what you're saying. Um, I'd rather play on a pristine grass field if I had the opportunity, 100%. It's the best you can get. You can't always get that. You just can't some facilities it's very difficult to do why are all the high school stadiums in metro atlanta and pretty much nationwide putting in turf do they not care about injuries to kids most of them are putting in turf there's different cost elements that come into it it's just not quite as simple as you're making it though okay that, that's all i'm trying to say and i again that no no worries no worries i'm i'm addressing it i'm, I'm giving you what i know and it's all i can do right so hopefully the idea of turf is just a little better understood than, than one study that pointed out a couple of things. Okay. That's where I would get to. Um, of course, Abby, I mean, high school, high schools are putting in turf because of money because they can't afford to keep up the grass because if you have a bad grass surface, you could have more injuries <laughs> and that's reality too. And, and that's something that I think other, other teams have to keep in mind. The one thing I was going to say on turf to end it is when you look at the other teams that play on turf in this league, Seattle, Portland, New England, uh, who've played on turf for a long, long time. Other teams have it as well, but those are the three I always point to because typically they have the same kind of turf that Atlanta has. They, they have the same providers. They generally rotate the turf the same years and, and keep it up. You haven't seen a rash of Achilles injuries there. So if it was purely turf that created the Achilles injuries, because the others we've already ruled out, then you would see it in other places as well at a comparable rate. You haven't, and you haven't seen Achilles injuries at a big rate either because they're pretty rare. That's why this year is so crazy. So that, that's, that's where we're at. Um, hopefully we have some better luck in the second half of the season on injuries. I really hope that we do because I can't take any more of this with all these injuries. And then all of the conversations that come after about why, when sometimes it's just your goalkeeper falling into your defender, when both of them should have done a better job on the corner and clearing the issue to begin with. And you have a player miss a lot of time because that happens too, sadly. All right, let's get into uh, my history question for all of you. So uh, a bunch of you out there watching, I hope a bunch of you will, will throw some opinions in on this. What I want is the Atlanta United all-time best 11 
based on the best individual season the player had. So the example I use, and I'm going to go ahead and write him down, and I'm going to write it in all caps, is Joseph Martinez, 2018. He is the forward for the all-time Atlanta United best 11 based by season because he had the best attacking season at that point up until Carlos Vela passed him in goals. Um, He won every MVP he could win that season. It was the best year as an individual that an Atlanta United player has ever had. So he is the forward on this. Goalkeeper. Look, you're going to be picking Brad Gazan. What year from Brad do you feel like was the best in his career? When I think about it, like, okay, so you go back through a couple. 2017, he came in halfway. 2020 is 2020. We're probably going to rule that out in a lot of cases, although maybe not entirely. Um, 21, he had a much better year from 20. I think you're looking at either 18 or 19. I'm not sure what direction I go off the top of my head. We're going to look to to sofa score for a little bit of a guide. Let's see if there's a dramatic difference between 2018 and 2019. 2019, he was much more highly rated, 6.92 versus 6.7. If I remember correctly, and I 16 clean sheets in 2019 versus nine in 2018. So, yeah, I think I will put forward um, Brad in 19. I don't know if most of them will be in 18, Garcia. I I think we might be a little surprised by it. I'm going to put forward Gazan in 2019. I think that was his best year. So let's, Garcia, hold Almiron from 2018, because I'm pretty sure that's going to be the Miggy season that gets in. But we'll compare it to 17, just, just to go back and forth. Let's work from the back to the front. Left back. So when you think back at left-back performances for Atlanta United, you're looking at Bello last season. You're looking at Bello in 20. 19, ooh, you're looking at a little bit of everybody. Justin Merrim probably played the most on the left side. Um, 2018, a lot of Greg Garza, although he had injuries, and 2017 was Greg Garza. I'd like to compare Garza and... Bello 21. Coco, I'm with you on that. I, I think Bello in 21 was really good. Garza in 17, but he had injuries there too. So it's it's a little tricky there too. Let's go back to 17. Garza was rated 6.97 on Sofa score for that year. Um 2017, he played in 26 games, 25 starts, so the majority of the season, two goals, four assists. Uh, I actually told Greg that the the game against San Jose on July 4th is one of the games that I can remember a left back taking over the, the match. He was incredible in that game, and I think he had two assists, led Atlanta back. Greg's 2018 season... 15 starts, 16 games. So a little bit harder to give it to him there. Now, you compare that to Bello in 2021. And on the rating purely, it's Garza by just a little bit. Um, 
Bello in 2021, he ended up with 30 games, 27 starts, one goal, three assists. And these are primary assists, uh, not the secondary assists that MLS will add in. They both created the same number of big chances. Um, I will throw it up for a quick vote. Outside contender, yeah, if he hadn't gotten injured, Modaflo, Andrew Gutman in 2022. I agree. He would have been there. I'm going to put it up for a quick vote. Bello from 21 or Garza from 17, which one are you putting? Garza had 26 games in 2017, Abby. Uh, Bello had 30 in 2021. I think Gutman could have been, but it's such a small sample size. I know it, it, it stinks, and he's going to miss a lot more this season. I do like Dom Dwyer 2022 as the super sub, Garcia. We got to vote for Bello in 21. I, man, it's hard. I think consistency, yeah. Uh, we have three for Bello in 21. Okay, we're going to go with that. Bello 21. I'm going to write down Garza for 17. I might actually ask Greg about that. That'll be pretty entertaining on a future soccer down here episode. Um, let's go to center back. And this one could fall a lot of different ways. Michael Parkhurst, LGP, Miles Robinson. Coco goes 21 miles and 18 Parky. Okay. We're going to go back to 2017 first. And the highest rated center back for Atlanta United that year was Leandro Gonzalez Perez. 7.31. He was the highest rated one. Parkhurst was a seven. LGP was really good in 2017. I mean, really good. I thought best 11 MLS quality good. I really do. 2018. LGP was more highly rated on SofaScore, barely this time by Parkhurst. Parkhurst to 7.0 in both seasons. Um, 2019, I think, has to get into the mix as well because they were a very good defensive team in 2019. I think LGP took a little bit of a step back, but although although not that much, Miles came to the four with a 7.1 rating. And now let's compare that to his 2021 where he was a 7.12. So I don't think LGP was a bomb scare in 17, Coco. I Now, 19, yes. 18, not as much. 17, Leandro Gonzalez-Perez, I would be really tempted to have him in the mix here. I really, really would. Card waiting to happen, sure. Different conversation. 17, not quite as much. Um, the red cards, let's, let's look at that. 2017, he had 10 yellows, no reds. 10 yellows is a little high. Yeah, that's all good. 2018, he had eight yellows, one red. One yellow to red and a red on its own. 2019 for LGP, he had 12 yellows and one red. 2017, no reds. No reds. I would put his 17 season, I would put Parkhurst's 18 season, and I would put Miles's 21 season up for it. Modaflo is choosing violence. Uh, I Fernando Meza gets a bad rap, man. Uh, Chris McCann would have been an option at le on the left side. Um, most people are going 21 miles and 18 Parkhurst. I, I can't argue the, the 17 LGP season though. I would, 
I would like for you, if however you can, to look back at how good Leandro Gonzalez Perez was that year. I think he was really good in in seventeen. I think he was good in eighteen. Nineteen maybe is what we remember a little bit more. Where I thought he struggled some, but he was still good. Seventeen, he was great. So Robinson twenty one, Parkhurst eighteen. That seems to be the consensus. We are not going three at the back, Modaflow. We are going two in the back because we're going with true outside backs, and we're going with uh, three in the midfield. Um, I'm going to put LGP 2017 on the list in case we do get crazy. Right back. Where are we going with right back? Uh, we will see. This is a tricky one because Julian Gressel didn't always play right back or right wing back. Um, right back in terms of the position, it would have been Anton walks the most in 2017. 2018. You played far more out of a three center back setup and you had a wing back where Gressel played it. Also, Franco Escobar played a decent bit of right back in 2018 and played a lot of wing back in 2018 as well. 2019, you had more wing back from Gressel, but you also had Escobar who played some there too. And then you've had Brooks Lennon since. Uh, 2020 for Lennon was very good. 2021 was very good. Um, pull up his number from 21 uh linen 7.09 one of the better individual seasons at least according to the sofa score rating right back this is a harder one because of really as a true right back you've had brooks you've had escobar and you've had walks in 17 as a kid Outside of that, you're playing wing back, which is a little different. Um, playoff Franco, yes, that's a whole different conversation. Lennon is the most consistent. I agree with that, Modaflow. Um, Escobar, yeah, maybe Coco, maybe not. Um, Escobar was good in the season, Garcia. I, I think he's good in the season. Coco says 18 Escobar. Um, hmm. Gressel's one who, in terms of fitting into this, it's going to be a little bit trickier. I think right wing is where you're going to consider him the most. But if you want to try to shoehorn him in as a right back, okay. Lennon, for me, it comes down to Brooks Lennon last year. It comes down to Escobar in 18, where he played more on the outside. And that would be my two up for consideration. Um. Yeah, Modaflow, I mean, it's a good question. Um, he he Escobar does score some goals. Does that create a little bit of a rose-colored tint on the glasses of how we look back? Good defender, though. But is he as good as Lennon was last year? And that's a tough one. Abel, Chris, absolutely. If you go with three center backs, then okay. It's a lot easier to play Gressel as a wing back. And then for Gressel as a wing back. What are you looking at? Which year? Um, maybe 18 over 19. Oh, although 19's better rated. Um, trying to remember the assist numbers in those years. 18 primary assists, he had 13. In 19 primary assists, he had 12, but he had eight goals in 19. I would say 
for a true right back, Escobar in 18. And it seems to be where the consensus is. But if you're going to go to the line of five and you're going to add LGP's 2017 season in, then you're going to add Gressel from 19. I think he would be the wing back option. All right, we're going to move forward a little bit quicker. We could be here all day. Uh, defensive midfield. Holding midfield. And I do want this to be the defensive midfielder. So I think you're looking at Carmona from 17. I think you're you're looking at um, really Eric Rimetti in 18 and 19 and 20. You're looking at Santi Sosa from 21. I think those are your primary options. Um, I don't know if you've had a better defensive midfield. Jeff would fit into this too in 18. Good shot, Modaflo. Um, I don't know if you've had a better defensive midfielder in the team than Carlos Carmona in 2017. I really don't know if you would have a better one. Um, 18, Jeff. I have no problem with that, Coco. Uh, 17, Jeff, to 18, Jeff, Chris. Let's look at that really quick here. Um, so we get just a sense of it. Again, it's defensive midfield. It's a little bit harder to, to quantify based on stats. Um, played in 34 games in 2017. 6.97 was the rating on Sofa score. 6.84 in 2018, and he played in every game but one, including the postseason. One goal, three assists in 2018. He did have that great assist in the postseason as well. 2017, goal and an assist. I'd probably lean 18 Lorenowitz if I'm not taking 17 Carmona. Um, Remedi is, is in the mix, Modaflow, as I post nonsense as I hit the keyboard. Um, I, I don't think 18 Remedi, and it's half the season, by the way, I don't think he was better than 17 Carmona or 18 Lorenowitz. Where are we going? 18 Lorenowitz, 17 Carmona or 21 Sosa. Hmm. That's a tough one. Now we could go with two holding midfielders if we want, if we want to fit two of them, but I'm assuming Darlington Nagby is going to fit his way into this. That's my guess. And I'm assuming Miguel Almiron's going to fit into this. So I'm thinking, ooh, okay, one and one. I, Chris, I'm kind of with you, 17 Carmona. Modaflow's going 18, Jeff. Coco's going 18, because he was next to Jeff. I like Nagby and, and Miggy as the next two midfielders. I really do. And we'll pick the year here in a second. Then we'll get to the wingers. I'm good with the no to the, the double pivot, and Nagby can drop as well if you need to, if you're thinking tactics. So Nagby can handle that. You're good. So we're kind of split between Carmona 17 and Jeff 18. That's a mm, that's a really good one. I could I could go either way. Carmona 17 is highly underrated, though. Highly underrated. Um let's go to now which Nagby season and which Almiron season we're going to take. So to give us a little bit of comparison, as I try to clean up my windows here a little bit, um, Miguel Almiron was the highest rated player for Atlanta United in 2017. Um, and we'll compare the two. 2018, he was a 7.72, which was better than 
2017 to 7.35. So I think with 13 and 11 goals and assists, 2018 is a pretty safe Miguel Almiron season. Yes, that seems to be the consensus. 19 Nagby. Nagby, I don't think of individually season-wise. And it's just because he's so consistent. So let's look to see if there's any kind of a difference. I kind of, I'm kind of with everybody in leaning 19 over 18. I'm not 100% sold there. Nagby 7.04 in 19, the sixth highest rated player on the team. Let's look at his 18. He was rated 6.87, one assist, 28 games. 2019, he was rated 7.04, two goals, four assists. Yeah, yeah, you guys had it. You guys nailed it. I I think it's hard to say uh, the 18 season is better than the 19. So we go Nagby from 19. We go Miggy from 18. We got to get the wings. Got to get the wings. These are the two. And this is where it can get a little tricky. So you've got Yamil Assad on the left in 17. You've got Tito Vialba on the right in 17 and 18. I would prefer the Buffalo Wings too, Monopo. Um, You have Ezekiel Barco in 21, which is an incredible season. Um, hmm. This could get a little interesting. So let's work backwards. 21, Ezekiel Barco, 7.5. Three was his rating, primarily coming off of the left. Um, off the right side, you had a few different players play it in 21. Adarushu came in late. He was highly rated, but came in pretty late. Uh, 2020, nobody really stands out there. Sorry. 19, Barco was very highly rated in 19 as well. I, I think Barco's time in Atlanta is looked at very strangely when you actually dig into the numbers. Uh, 7.43, although he missed a lot of time due to injury. 21, Barco played in 26 games, seven goals, six assists. Um, but he's the highest rated player on two different Atlanta United seasons, according to Sofa Score. Keep that in mind. 18 on the flanks. Now, Gressel played a lot on the flank in 18. Uh, so did Vialba. The left side was a little bit of a mishmash. 17, you're going to Yamil on the left. You're going to Tito on the right. Yamil was a 7.1 rating in 2017. Tito was 7.05. For me, I'm putting Barco 21 on the left. Barco has to be in here somewhere with those two seasons. 21 was better than 19 because he played more. And I don't think there's been a winger on either side who had a better season than Barco in 21. Um, Araujo with the limited time is a little trickier. Um, Justin Merrim's name has come up. Now he played as a wing back quite a bit in 2019 uh 6.69 was his rating not quite as high as you might think uh you know pitti martinez almost always played as a 10 but sometimes he played on the wing i'm not counting him as a winger you know the right wing is the one that's the 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 hardest one to answer 
you could easily make an argument that you would rather put Gressel as the right winger than put him as a back. Put him as the winger from his 2019 season. I agree, Coco. I, I think Pitsy was best as a 10, but he did play on the wing some. Um, I think it comes down to Tito in 17, who maybe had his best performances up top when Joseph was injured, versus Gressel in 19 on the right. This could dramatically change with a whole season of Luis Adarujo, and I think it will, personally. But we don't have that yet. I'd honestly lean to Gressel in 19 um, on the wing. If you play two up top, you could play multiple Josephs. We did not make that rule. I, I probably should have said that up front, that we didn't want to have clones. Um, but that would actually make it kind of interesting, because, yes, you could have Joseph from 18 playing next to Joseph from 19. Um, Tito from 17, Gressel from 19. I'm kind of five stripes on Gressel 19, Modiflows on Gressel 19. I think Gressel 19 is better to put here than to play – Five four one or three four three or whatever. Um, Chris leans Tito seventeen. Let's real quick go into that before we go. Um, Gressel from nineteen is the year that he had eight goals, twelve assists, and rating was seven point two five. Tito Vialba. Let's get his twenty seventeen numbers up now. It, it's. It's safe to say that you know you can look at this two ways because some of Gressel's numbers come from playing as a wing back, some of Tito's numbers come from playing as a forward when he played up top uh, when Joseph was hurt in 2017. He had that quad injury for an extended period. Tito in 17 scored 13 and had nine assists, uh, played in 35 games. So 13 goals, nine assists versus Gressel's 19 of eight goals, 12 assists. That is a toss up of epic proportions. Um, Tito had the Golasso in Orlando. He had the great goal, still my favorite Atlanta United goal to get the draw against Orlando the next week at Bobby Dodd, the last game. Um, oh, I don't know. Um, Garcia wants Lennon at right back and, and, and Gressel on the right wing. So we got Escobar at, at right back in 18. This is the fun conversation because it's not as cut and dried, is it? When you get into it, it's one thing when we talk about the player in general and the best 11, but when we get into the individual season, it can get a little tricky. As much as I loved Tito's 2017 season, I think Gressel's in 19 was better as a more of a winger. I think some of Tito's best performances were as a striker. Right wing is the toughest spot. It's the toughest one in, in the group, in my opinion. Uh, right back is tough, too. But right wing is the tough, the, the toughest one. Joseph in 2018 up top, we got that done. All right, that was, that was good. Um, there was a little more discussion on different positions than I thought there might be. That was really good. Uh, you could move Tito over to the left, although Yamil Assad played on the left in, in 17. Uh, I don't think Tito 17 beats Barco from 21, though. I really don't, Joe. Um, I think Barco 21 is one of the best seasons uh, that an Atlanta player's had. I really do. <laughs> Adam John did work very hard in 2020, Modiflow, but he does not get there. And Jurgen Dom does not get there from 21. Uh, I think, Chris, I, I absolutely agree with you. If Luis Adarushu stays healthy the rest of the way, um, he could be the right wing spot for this year. He absolutely could. 
Best for the bench that we um, have not completely compiled. Garza from 17, LGP from 17, uh, Lennon from 21. Um, defensive mid, we kind of went back and forth. Whoever's not there between Carmona and Jeff is on the bench. That's four. Uh, Tito from 17 for sure. Five. Um Mm, Alec Can from 17. He was good in 17. Not as good as Brad Gazan's 19. But if we're going for a reserve and we can't clone Brad, then yes, it would be Alec Can from 17. Um, if we're allowing clones, 2018 Brad would be the backup. True. We're not allowing clones. That, that is an unwritten rule here. Uh, and then hmm, one more for the bench off the top of my head. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe Eric Rometty from 18. Backup striker. Ooh, that's a good one. That's the one we should pick. Kenwin Jones in 17. Oof. Uh, then you're talking Adam John in 20. Brandon Vasquez in 19. Yes, five stripe. I like it. Even though a lot of it was from the Open Cup, 2019 Brandon Vasquez is the backup striker. I like it. I like it. Um, that's what we're going to go with. <laughs> Kyle Rainish from 17. Paul Christensen. Yes, he gets in. Uh, man, good stuff. Good conversation. That was fun. Um, hopefully it was fun kind of reliving some of this for you guys. Again, Pachuca on Tuesday. We will have the Five Stripes countdown 30 minutes before kick starting at 7 o'clock uh, on 92.9 The Game, on the Odyssey app, on the Atlanta United app. You can listen to the full time report for an hour after the final whistle on all of those same places. And then we'll be back here Wednesday to break everything down. If you're looking for tickets to the Pachuca match, uh, me and my soccer down here cohorts are doing um, a cool partnership with the Songs for Kids Foundation. They have a great foundation uh, that uses music to improve the, the hospital stays of kids who have to be in the hospital. Uh, Josh Rifkin does an amazing job with this. It's one of the great Atlanta charities. And they're back with their live event series. Uh, and their first one is on Friday at Vinkman's. And it's all 80s songs. So it's local artists performing a song from the 80s they wish they had written. So we have um, looks like about 20 tickets to give away for the Atlanta United Pachuca game to people who come and donate to the Songs for Kids Foundation. So hopefully you can join us for that on Friday. Uh, make sure you're following me at Longshoe on social media and at soccer down here for what you got to do to be there early enough to get tickets or how much you have to donate to get tickets, what that looks like. We're still putting together the final details with, with Josh and songs for kids. But if you're just looking for an event on Friday, definitely the uh, 500 songs for kids event at Vinkman's, which will continue on Saturday as well. Highly, highly, highly recommended. And we'll have some Atlanta United Pachuca tickets for you on Friday. Um, and Atlanta United too on Saturday at, Kennesaw at Fifth Third Bank Stadium. That is also going on this weekend. So lots of stuff before the Pachuca game. Then we're back next week for stoppage time to break everything down. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for all the feedback. Uh, thanks for all the questions. And we'll see you next week. Have a good rest of the week, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.